Hey, thanks for joining us today on Uptime Logistics, powered by Cap Logistics. And I'm your host, Doug Draper with the Denver Transportation Club. Today, we have a phenomenal guest and a great topic. To be honest with you, a topic I didn't think was really um, really out there. But in talking to our guest, I realized this is pretty impactful and has a lot of relevance um, to uh, to things going on in the mining industry. So that's our focus. It's really going to be about advanced mining technology and a lot of green initiatives that are going on out there. So before I continue to drone on, I want to make sure that we uh, introduce our guest, Paul Bradette. He's the executive director of Mine Connect, um, based up in Canada. And he's going to share, or he's going to bring on a lot of great content and, and, uh, and, and facts about uh, green initiatives around mining. So Paul, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, why don't you talk to us about yourself, your background, and, and obviously what Mine Connect is all about. Okay, thanks, Doug, uh, and and pleased that you guys invited me here. And I'm always happy to you know discuss everything uh, mining. That's for sure. Uh, so I'm sitting here in Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, it's pretty much regarded as the hard rock capital of the world. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, the underground that takes place in Ontario is is within Northern Ontario region. Um, and and for myself, it's always been something I've been exposed to at a very young age. Uh, so you know. Being within this environment is, is always something I understood. And, you know, seeing the evolution of the technology and mining, uh, even over the last 30, you know, 30 years is, is quite phenomenal. So uh, my background is I used to be with the province of Ontario. I was the uh, trade and investment uh, advisor for them. So my primary function back then was, number one, was to try to attract uh, new uh, organizations or new companies into Ontario obviously for the job creation and, and just kind of adding to an overall cluster. But another big function was I uh, used to lead the trade program. So I probably did uh, upwards of 45 international missions. I've been uh, with our, our group, our cluster of mining companies, uh, suppliers to almost every mining jurisdiction in the world from India to Australia. So uh, it was really a great 20 years being able to support companies trying to get into uh, other markets worldwide because once again, as we'll probably discuss a bit more uh, here this morning, uh, is that, uh, you know, there's some phenomenal technology coming out of this cluster. And it's important for an organization like mine can, to get, you know, the mining eyes of the world on what innovations are coming out of this cluster. So uh, once again, I've pretty much been exposed to this uh, throughout my life. Uh, and then once... I was able to land here at Mind Connect. Uh, I'm able to build a trade program to support our membership uh, moving forward. That's great. Good. Well, thanks for the background. I appreciate that. So, um, one term that's tossed around a little bit that I've uh, that I've learned is advanced mining technology. Right. It's it's a big word and it sounds cool, but for the the layperson out there that may not be in the industry or trying to learn more. They'd be like, okay, that sounds great, but what does that actually mean? So maybe we just start at the beginning and kind of explain what does that term mean um, in, in the industry when people say advanced mining technology? You know, I think for those that are not uh, intimately involved in the mining industry day to day, they, they probably don't have the right picture of, of really the, some of the technology that's necessary, you know, to make this one of the safer industries uh, in the world, and you need to appreciate when you know when we're working at depth. So when I'm saying that depth in Sudbury, that could range anywhere between four to to eighty five hundred feet underground. So we're almost talking two miles. So to keep people safe, to give them uh, you know uh, 
a safe and healthy environment, it requires a lot of technology. So uh, a number of things that, that really have sprung out of this very particular cluster in Northern Ontario is the battery electric vehicles for, for underground. Uh, so, you know, we were the first um, uh, company, the first company came out of Northern Ontario that created the technology. We had the very first mine, Purple Lake Gold, that adopted the technology. And now with the uh, Newmont Boring Project uh, north of Sudbury, they've totally went all electric. So that that's one really great innovative technology. If you can appreciate, you know, you have a 30-ton truck underground or you have bolters and all kinds of, uh, of this big equipment running through a tunnel that's maybe 15 feet high uh, by, in some instances, you know, 12 to 14 feet wide, it's a pretty phenomenal um you know, uh, initiative to be able to operate at, at depth. So if you do introduce new technology like the battery electric vehicles, which in my opinion is certainly uh, is, is certainly the future of this industry, it brings on a lot of other technologies that's necessary as enablers. So for example, you know, being underground, when you hear, when you hear this diesel operated 30 ton truck, it rumbles by you, it's shaking, it's, it, you know, the amount of noise and, and so that is really a step changer for a lot of miners that, that were exposed to, say, equipment coming down the tunnel. You could hear it come. You could feel it come. So now all of a sudden it goes by you. It, it doesn't make any noise. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of, of technology that's necessary to, you know, um, protect the workers so that, that there's um, uh, the technology necessary uh, so that you understand and you know that this piece of equipment is coming. Uh, and, and we also look at the other advent of technology that's necessary is through the Wi-Fi component. So at this point in time, we are able to get real-time information from the face, from the drill face. So as you're tunneling, you're obviously advancing through, uh, through blasting. But the technology that's available now through digital mining, it enables the operators to be on surface, could be 6,000 uh, feet above, and they're able to understand exactly the, the, the makeup of that blast. They understand, uh, you know, the, the engineering uh, in real time. So that requires some pretty cool advanced technologies. And if we also look at the full autonomous piece, so, um, you know, we're, we're seeing that in, in the personal vehicles uh, above surface. Well, we're starting to introduce those particular things underground. So once again, that's kind of the look of advanced technology. It's also, uh, you know, we're in a position now where we can measure, um, you know, all the vital signs of a particular worker underground. So we know exactly where they are in the mine site. As you can appreciate, you know, a fully developed mine, you know, could have, you know, 30, 40 miles of tunneling throughout. We need to ensure that we know exactly where that person is. We can measure their vital signs to see if they're overheating. Uh, which just once again enables us to provide, you know, a, a clear, safe environment uh, for all the workers to, to, you know, be operating in. Yeah, that that that's amazing. So here's the question, right? And I think this uh, uh, goes along with the adaptation of electric vehicles above ground, right? As you're cruising across town or across the country, excuse me, and you run out of juice, right? The electric car just uh, runs out and obviously there's not an extension cord long enough. So one thing that came to mind when you were talking is obviously those, the electric uh, equipment um, needs to be recharged or, or uh, keeping it uptime, right? So is there battery chargers down there or, or, or how do you manage that? So that amazing piece of equipment 
that's more efficient and safer for the, the miners doesn't just run out of juice and then there's this problem down there. I, I was just curious on that one. Yeah, well, uh, you know, as you know, there's there's also charging stations that, that are underground. Um, but I think part of the coolest piece of technology that's been adapted for this is the regen brakes. You know, you can appreciate that you need to get the ore from underground. So now they've started to reconfigure the design of, of mines where as you're going uh, downgrade, uh, you can actually recharge your battery. So it's it's through the braking system, which once again is a, is a pretty innovative piece uh, of technology. And, you know, the, the one, one thing about going underground versus our traditional uh, personal vehicles is that, you know, fires are really a really bad thing underground. So even looking at, you know, some of the chemistry that's involved in the batteries, that is a new advent uh, there as well as is, is the makeup of that chemistry, you know, needs to have all those additional precautions applied to it. So I think we're going to see a lot more innovation coming out of, uh, out of actually the chemistry and the batteries. Um, and, and hopefully that can be repurposed or reapplied uh, to above surface vehicles as well. So I think we're going to see a lot of the technology that we're developing or the mining industry is developing for underground application be very useful for, um, you know, our, our typical, you know, above ground vehicles moving forward. Right. Good. So um, one other thing that you made comment on that, that caught my um, caught my interest was kind of the Internet of Things and the ability to really understand what's happening. Uh, with the equipment down there, you you made mention of literally the drill bit right at the point of impact when when you're doing the actual mining and you can get data and analytics as far as what's happening down there. Talk a little bit of, a little bit more about that. I'm just picking picturing sensors on the tip of a of, of a drill bit and it's basically telling you, hey, this rock is has this mass or is going what on. Anyway, that struck me as uh, very uh, unique and and. Um, Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, throughout the mining industry, you're seeing this innovation take place from, from the beginning of the sequence and exploration all the way to reclamation. So, I, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the real cool piece, as you mentioned, with the technology. But one of our member companies, uh, Bort Longyear, is, is really advanced uh, in terms of all of their drill rigs and and. Being able to analyze the core in real time is pretty significant. And as you as you can probably appreciate, when you're doing exploration and you know you're drilling for targets, it will take months so that before you can actually get that core uh, analyzed and really understand what the makeup is of that specific deposit. Some of the technology that Bohr now has available is as that drill rig is penetrating, it can tell you what the makeup is uh, as it, as it's drilling. So. That in itself, I think, with uh, you know uh, th that increase in technology, is going to decrease you know the cost of, of of drilling and doing exploration. I think most you know primary mining companies have a very set budget for exploration. So if if the advent of this kind of technology will reduce the cost, what it really means for the industry is that we can drill more holes for that same cost. So what that will mean is ultimately we should find more deposits. Uh, so that, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the end of life for, for most mine sites uh, will be able to, uh, to be ex extended. So I think that in itself is really going to lend to, you know, more mining activity uh, worldwide. Yeah. Now, that, that, that's a very good point. I appreciate you bringing that up. More targeted mining let, uh, would mean 
less waste, less time if you know exactly where you're going and, and, and how to get there versus just kind of a broad brushstroke. I can definitely see see the importance there, which is a perfect segue. Paul, you're phenomenal in that way because the next segue I was going to talk about is, you know, green initiatives out there um, and kind of what that means in the mining industry. And, and maybe before we get into specifics, let's talk about why that's important. Why does that term green initiative is so important in the mining industry? And then we can get into some specifics a little bit later, but talk to us about that general term. Well, you know, and I think even the optics of most people that aren't involved in the mining industry on a daily basis, you know, it's always been regarded as, as somewhat of a dirty industry. Well, I think all of the advents of whether it be scrubbing technology for smelters, refineries, that type of stuff where, you know, listen, we, you know, the, the industry itself is, has been able to reduce uh, the emissions significantly vis-a-vis, you know, new technology. Uh, but I think the whole green mandate is, is really important moving forward. And if you can appreciate one of the highest costs to operating any specific mine uh, is, is the cost of driving ventilation underground. So as you get further underground, obviously the air becomes, uh, the environment becomes a lot hotter so that you ultimately then now have to start cooling the air as you're driving it below. So as the industry transitions into green technology through BEVs, well, you don't have those emissions underground. Uh, so you don't need as much air, uh, you know, to ensure, uh, you know, a, a safe environment below. Uh, and you can see that those type uh, of costs are now being reduced. And it's really going to shape up how a mine site uh, is really, you know, really designed moving forward because a lot of the shafts will, will be able to be smaller simply because CFMs, uh, cubic, uh, is, is how you measure the air that's necessary in, in that environment will be able to be reduced. And consequently, that green initiative is, is going to impact uh, the mining from, from one end of the uh, development to the next. Uh, and a big piece of that is uh, the green footprint. So, I mean, I think that's, that's the important piece where it needs to transition like every other industry in the world uh, to become greener and reduce its uh, carbon footprint, which is critical moving forward. Mm-hmm. Are regulations helping to drive this uh, these changes in the sense of uh, you know governmental regional regulations that say you need to be at this standard by this date? Um, and is the industry first of all is that a, a thing? Is that uh, something that's of concern to the industry? And if so, um, is the industry staying ahead of that? Is it like, hey, we get it, you know, we're moving in the right direction. So talk about regulations and making sure the um, the green initiatives stay compliant. Well, I guess speaking for, for Ontario, we do have legislations that govern the CFMs and, and the volume of air that's necessary underground. Uh, so that's key. But I think all of the mining operators worldwide are trying uh, and, and putting significant effort into making this a cleaner, safer environment for all the workers. So, you know, by eliminating the emissions underground, I mean, that's that's a pretty Herculean step uh, moving forward, considering, you know, we've been used to diesel particulates uh, within this environment, you know, probably since the 50s. So, uh, so that in itself is really being driven by the mining companies themselves. If you can appreciate, you know, the advent of BEVs underground, also removes a lot of the vibration that these operators are feeling. So I think if, if you really did speak to any of the operators, you know, 90 or, or 95% of them would say once they've, they've really tried the battery electric vehicle, uh, they would not want to return to, to the diesel, uh, you know, engines. Mm-hmm. Got it. 
So let's talk about price for a second, right? I know everything has a price and some of the cool technology, um, you know, could be pricier than the old tech, so to speak. So if I'm the owner of a mine and, and to be honest with you, they look at the bottom line in a lot of instances, talk about really two things. One, the adaptation rate of, of uh, companies embracing uh, the advanced mining technology and the financial implications of that. And maybe it's a little bit less expensive, maybe it's a little bit more, but those are two things that pop in my mind, adaptation and the overall cost for um, implementation. Talk about those two, if you don't mind. Yeah, so when you're looking at procuring battery electric vehicles, you're probably talking at a minimum double. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that are involved in that uh, as well, but, you know, typically you're, you're probably paying for fuel costs um, you know, in advance to a large degree, uh, when you look at, at the different, you know, cost categories, uh, but you need to, to keep one thing in mind as well is that you can appreciate, imagine getting diesel fuel 6,500 feet underground. That in itself is a challenge. Uh, and you need to safeguard that diesel fuel. So wherever the storage is underground, uh, you know, the, the, the safety mechanisms that need to apply are, are pretty significant because once again, I mean, fires underground is is not a desirable thing. And uh, they've done a tremendous job in the industry to eliminate all of that. So, and I think that the, the key piece moving forward is that most mine operations uh, throughout the world need to get deeper. So as we get deeper, as we talked about earlier, is, is you know, the level, uh, the, the heat becomes pretty significant. So, you know, upwards of, of, of 50 C. So you're not in a position because of the cost associated with driving air to depths of 85 to say 10,000 feet, it, it becomes cost prohibitive so that you cannot access, you have all this great infrastructure, you have a deposit that's below, but it's not, you cannot make the business case to be able to access it because of the cost associated with air, you know, cooling the air, uh, and and once you have the advent of, of battery electric vehicles, you can appreciate is that heat is reduced, the need for air is reduced, consequently the cost to access that reserve is reduced and and then becomes economic. So uh, I think you know that that really is you know a big piece of being able to to access those deeper deposits is it's a must to have the DEVs introduced, although the the cost uh, initially up front is going to be more. It, it's it's the only way that you can make the business case to, to leverage the the ad debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes uh, makes total sense. Really, it's safety, which is paramount, and access, right? If you want to improve safety, and you've talked about many examples of how that is, and especially with fires underground or or horrific, but then access is something I, I had really not thought of. Is that you continue to have to go deeper and explore, right? To figure out uh, what's what's the name. Um, the next area to uh, to mine. So yeah, it sounds like safety and access are really uh, big driving factors. If you look at a bottom line on a spreadsheet, it may cost a little bit more out of the gate, but uh, giving you um, those two things in return is, is pretty impactful. Um, well, I know MineConnect's doing some some uh, expansion, and there's two things I want to talk about. One, there's a, a, a an initiative that you have going on down in uh, here in the states in Elko, Nevada. So I think it's uh, cool to talk about that um, uh, involvement and what you're planning to do down here uh, in Elko. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So for, for MindConnect, we're made up of 190 member companies, okay, that deal in the space. 
collectively, they, they employ about 9,000 individuals, uh, probably generate upwards of about $3.5 billion a year. So our, our goal at Mind Connect is really to be able to you know, push those technologies to other jurisdictions in the world. Uh, the next logical um, you know, advent for us would be to set up an office in, in Elko, Nevada. So uh, we're looking right now as hopefully we have got a stake in the ground uh, for March of 2020, you know, pandemic allowing us to do that. And what it's going to do is it's going to provide us a footprint within Elko. But I think an important factor of that is, is to support the state in trying to build their cluster. You know, uh, we've been doing hard rock mining for 130 years. We have very specific expertise that lends well to what's happening in Nevada is they are transitioning a bit more into underground. They, they were traditionally, uh, you know, pretty much in the open pit methodology. So I think, you know, our expertise from our member companies, you know, would lend, lend well into what they're trying to do in that marketplace. But I think more importantly, our, our member companies, uh, look at trying to be part of the community. They're looking at trying to maybe establish, uh, you know, a facility there ultimately to employ local people and to be able to service the Nevada market. So that would be, you know, that would be the end game in all this. So that if MindConnect establishes an office, we'll have a storefront developed. We're working, you know, with, with uh, a number of partners there. Uh, it enables us to at least be able to market the services our members have available. And, uh, and provide that soft landing into the network. You know, what we're looking at doing is, is hiring somebody local to be our spokesperson to do the promotion, but more importantly, help our members once they get into the market is maybe to connect uh, with some of the mine operations throughout Nevada and, you know, be able to be in a position to provide their services. And, and I think on the flip side, you know, we're always trying to look at building the cluster here in Northern Ontario. And there's a lot of expertise that's available in Nevada that I think, you know, would lend well in Ontario as well, because we're starting to see a shift as well away from hard rock a little bit and into uh, the open pit environment. So I think it's, it's kind of a, a you know, perfect storm for both jurisdictions. And, you know, we want a, a bilateral win for both, uh, you know, for both jurisdictions. And uh, we're really looking forward to, uh, to having that footprint there. Nice. That's great. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, obviously the services that Mind Connect provides is to really support the membership. And when we were talking earlier, um, you made something, uh, you made a comment that you're doing up there in, uh, in Ontario about a test mine, right? Because we're talking about all this cool stuff and here's this machine that provides safety and it's electric and here's the ability for this piece of equipment that we can go deeper and, and more efficient. Um, and we were talking, it's like, okay, well, you got to test it, right? You got to make sure it works. And you said, and you told me like, yeah, hey, we got a test mine out here. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, tell us about that. Like, what is a test mine? How, how does that work? And what are you doing there? Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm sure you can appreciate the difficulties if you're, you're, you know, you're building and developing new technology, you know, you need a, a, an opportunity to be able to test that. And, you know, at 6,500 ground, uh, 6,500 feet underground, you know, the environment changes drastically in terms of how this new technology is going to react. So what uh, NORCAT has done, which is an innovation center here in Sudbury, is they've developed um, what basically is an R&D underground laboratory. So they've taken a Glencore past producing mine, it was called Facunus, and they've repurposed it with over, um, with over 3,000 
meters, so 3,000 meters, so 9,000 uh, feet of, of tunneling where companies can purchase, uh, you know, a drift. They can, you know, purchase an area where they can then do the subsequent pests on the ground so they get a sense of how this new technology is going to react once it's put on the ground because cage time at any operating or producing mine is, is very valuable, as you can appreciate. So this provides an outlet uh, for them to be able to do that. And, and those people that do put their technology in there to test, it also acts as kind of like a supermarket where, you know, we often invite mine operators from throughout the world to kind of walk the facility where they can see all of this new technology, you know, being applied in, in, in real life. So I think that in itself provides a pretty significant uh, selling opportunity for those that participate. So they probably have upwards of 150 companies, you know, that are in one way, shape or form uh, working within this underground mining network. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, re really amazing. I never would have thought of that. And I'm sure there's just some inherent and natural collaboration when you have that many companies together in one spot, you know, testing uh, equipment and, and sharing ideas. So. Well, mm. there's some pretty cool stuff going on right now, but let's, you know, talk out in the future, maybe say future trends. So fast forward, you know, five, six years, it's 2026. What are some cool initiatives and, and some things that are uh, going to be adapted in the mining industry um, that you could share with our audience? Yeah, and I guess these would, these would be my views and maybe that windows a, a little further out. But I think in the future, we're going to see a lot more introduction of uh, autonomous mining. Uh, we're going to definitely see that with the advent of the battery electric. You know, there's going to be way less people that need to be underground. And, and even if you look at the BEVs, there's a lot, a lot less maintenance costs, as, as the viewers can appreciate, from a diesel. And if all of this can be, you know, done either autonomously or telerobotically, uh, you're going to see a lot of, of, of those pieces from the mining uh, you know, development perspective be brought to surface. And, you know, let's, let's face it, uh, you know, maybe having video game experience might be the new, the new mining skill moving forward where you can be potentially at home, uh, you know, doing these, you know, operating a scoop tram underground. So I think that's really where it's going to be. Uh, you know, the environment's going to really change for, for the worker themselves. And I think, you know, the safety and health perspective is is going to, you know, get into a new stratosphere for the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one theme that I've heard you say time and again on this one is that, you know, safety is paramount. And to be frank with you, in the mining industry, it sounds like safety can equal savings uh, over time. So, um, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And autonomous minds. So I'm going to have to have my teenage son give you a call because he's in the basement on his video games pretty regularly. So I, instead of yelling at him, I could tell him that there's a job, uh, waiting for him up in, up in Canada in the mining industry. So that, that's cool. And I truly believe that that that's probably going to happen is you're going to have all these, maybe not my son, but I think you understand, uh, you know, the remote control nature of it. So that's pretty cool. Good. Well, I tell you what, it's been a great conversation, Paul. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. And it sounds like Mind Connect is doing some pretty amazing things out there for the industry. So, um, again, thank you for joining us. It was uh, very informative. And um, I wish you the best in, in 2021. So I'd also like to thank our audience for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. It's brought to you by Cap Logistics. You can find more information at the link below. And uh, don't forget, Cap Logistics is your uh, source for all logistics uh, services. You can visit them at caplogistics.com. Until we get together next time, thanks again for joining us. Take care.